After missing two years in a row, it was great to be back at Southern Sog. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of January the 23rd, 2014. Southern SOG stands for Southern Sustainable Agriculture Working Group. The reason we lit, we missed two years is that they were holding their conference in Little Rock, Arkansas the last two years, and we found that difficult to justify making that long trip, but the conference this year and next year are in Mobile, which could hardly be more convenient. I know. It was a great trip down. We got to meet up with some friends while there uh, who live there, so it just, and of course, um it was, a, it was a great place to be, so we'll plan to go again next year. But let's talk some about what we learned and our impressions of this year. Yeah, Southern SOG is uh, it's dedicated to promoting sustainable agriculture and sustainable food production of all kinds throughout the southeast, 13 states, um, from Virginia all the way out to Oklahoma and Texas. So that gives you an idea of of the territory that's involved. So for there was good reason to have a conference in Little Rock. It's just that it was a little far for us. Right. The, and the, before that, it had been in Louisville and Chattanooga, and we were able to make it to those places. Um, so it was good to be caught up. Um, I don't know what the changes were between, you know, Chattanooga and then the last two years since we didn't go to Arkansas. But... Um, we certainly noticed some changes this year, didn't we? How, what was the first year we attended Southern we Sog? This, that would have been in Louisville, I guess. It was in Louisville, and I believe it was 2009. All right. So this was five years uh, of change that we have seen. One of the things that came through to me is there were fewer burnt-out hippie types. Which is kind of what we are, so we're not casting aspersions on anybody. I'm a burnt-out hippie. You know, and and we probably <laughs> are more like burnout hippies than a typical Southern Sog member, so that's one thing we've noticed. And, and boomers, you know, we, it was really sort of a boomers uh, age group that we witnessed when we first went in Louisville. That's true. And the other thing is uh, the programs, the the orientation, the conversations are getting more business-oriented, more marketing and management and profit-making, and less about um, how to produce the food. Right, and and also a lot of interest in community gardens and uh, school dealing, you know, getting healthy foods, growing healthy foods into the school systems and teaching kids how to be excited about gardening and and farming and that's a good thing i mean it's a it's great absolutely and of course the we understand why there's an emphasis on business and marketing because for many of the young people and we'll talk about the the youth movement in just a few minutes um that's essential if they can't make a living doing this it's not going to work they're not going to be doing it yes. so uh, it, we're all for it it just means that we have to be somewhat diligent about finding programs 
and workshops that are relevant to us even today. And we were able to find those things, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So what were some of the things you that stood out for you as sort of the best of Southern SOG for us? Well, we thought we'd talk about... Um, we enjoyed the Coping with Climate Change program. I actually went to one that was more of a discussion-oriented session, and you attended um, a session. It was more uh, of a workshop. Right, led by the, the same person, expert, um, but it was, like you said, more of a workshop, more formalized. So um, that was good because I think we talked in one of our podcasts last year about our going to see the Tallapoosa Master Gardeners and talk to them about how climate change is affecting uh, their growing practices. Yeah, it actually affirmed a good bit of what we had shared with the Tallapoosa group yes. um, in terms of, you know, you're not able to say it's this is what's going to happen because everything is uncertain at this point. But it was really good to hear some hard data, um, some 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 updated data. I want, yeah, I yeah, want to step in there. Blue to... sky kind of, okay, this is where we seem to be going. This is what's changed over the last 25 years. Um, so it was very helpful. Both of us thought it was helpful. Right. And I don't want to leave the impression that we didn't have hard data when we went in that this past August to the Tallapoosa County. But what we were able to find out was updated information and very cutting edge that was not available to us at the time. And apparently, uh, what's really promising as far as information goes is that there will be uh, forthcoming uh, uh, updated models through NOAA and some of the other um, agencies that are you know documenting we're not having to go back to data that's five or ten years old. So we're excited about that. We thought that was very helpful. We both attended a field trip on Thursday afternoon to the Middle Earth Permaculture Farm in Citronelle, Alabama. Oh, that was so interesting. I'm glad we did that. Both of us found that very helpful to see how uh, another couple of, they're basically our age, a little older, um, and how they have converted sort of an old artist colony into a permaculture operation. They had done several interesting things, and we watched with interest as they mm -hmm. described what they've done and why and so forth. It was just a very helpful to see yeah. them, some of those things in actual practice. Right. They, they had chickens, and of course, we're talking about that seriously. What I like that they did, I'm not sure we'll be able to, was that they were, they sort of they have their garden, vegetable garden, they rotate and one year, they'll have the chickens in one section. They turn them loose after harvest time, and the chickens clean up for them, and they scratch around, and they eat bugs, and they poop, and therefore fertilize that ground. Um, and then, they, because they've divided into, into halves like that, they'll put the chickens, when they get ready to plant, they'll put them, well, actually, from last year's um, operation, they'll plant this spring in ground that has gone long enough that it doesn't have hot manure in it. And um, purely uh, of interest to us because of our inquiring about it for our church, they have installed a labyrinth I at know. the uh, Middle Earth. And we've always been fascinated by labyrinths, so we found that uh, really interesting. Yes, it's a spiritual... Um, exercise and they they're unabashedly spiritual people and they said that the first thing they built after they acquired the property was the, the labyrinth so um we would love to do one of those here 
Um, but keeping it weeded was what seemed yeah, to be. Yeah, <laughs> what they showed us looked well, like it would be very difficult to maintain. So if we were to do a labyrinth, we would figure out a way to uh, design it so that it was not nearly so difficult to maintain. And they had a full-time employee who was sort of their right-hand man who did a lot. So right. we don't have anybody. I mean, Adrian is very helpful. She we is, don't have but, a Scott. But they we have don't, a Scott. Yeah, we need a Scott. You know. <laughs> but, you know, let's go on and talk about some other things that, yeah. that I actually thought was a good development. There are so many more young people. You mentioned earlier that one of the biggest impression of changes was that we saw fewer boomers, fewer burnt-out hippies, whatever you want to call us, um, with our long graying hair, or in the case of some of the men, not much hair. <laughs> but now, proportionately, we're seeing a lot more young people, fresh out of college, and maybe some of them still in college, you know, in their 20s and 30s. Um, there's there's such a growing interest in sustainable, um, organic food production so um and and there's just everything i've read about the millennials it rings true because they're very service oriented and so many of them really do want to make a difference in especially in the lives of children i agree it was exciting to see Mm -hmm. so many young people that has changed over the five years we've been attending southern dramatically there were some even the first year but not many wow um i would say average age of that group was in their 30s average age that means you got some people like i said still in college or right you know oh yeah probably um, some teenagers and mm-hmm. plenty of 20 somethings yeah um and then a you know a good assortment of of boomers and burnout hippie types but <laughs> yeah. um but but it was really exciting to see all those young people yeah and i would say exciting to see so many organic farmers um i had to call uh, Jim Lukens up at Southern Sog this morning to get a number, but he tells me that in round numbers we had a thousand or so people at the Mobile Riverview Plaza uh, or at the at Mobile the Con- Convention, Convention Center, Center right. for the conference. And um, we were trying to figure out how many were there from Alabama. He doesn't have a number, but you and I attended that Alabama breakout session on Friday night. And we're guessing there were something like 120 people right. there. Right. So if you figure the Alabama total attendees was was greater than the people in the breakout session, it would be somewhere yeah. north of 120 people. Which, of course, is not surprising because this is the first year that we've been going to Southern Sog that it's been in Alabama. You would expect high Certainly. attendance. But to think that many people are thinking organic food production in the state of Alabama, it's great, it just makes you feel great. And, you know, we had some representation from Auburn. We had a good many people from Tuskegee. We had some people from um, North Alabama. Right, you know, Alabama so, A&M. Al- yeah, and, uh, and some people who were affiliated in that area um, who traveled down all the way down to Mobile from Huntsville area. Good many from the University of Alabama. Yeah, so it's just, it's um, it was very encouraging to see that. Um, and, and so certainly we are hoping for the same, if not better, next year. So continuing our best, I would say the Saturday morning keynote from a fellow in Virginia, Anthony Flacavento, was a real high mark for me, and I think somewhat oh, for you. Oh, me too, definitely. He was inspiring. Yeah, and that's really what, the, what his goal was. Right. He was not trying to give us hard data or give us how-to information. What he was describing is 
the role that love can play as we fight the hard fight to make food production organic, sustainable, healthy, local. Um, and it was just, I've not heard that kind of dot connecting before. And it was exciting. And, and I feel inspired by him to try to work within the system, but in whatever way, um, politically, whatever it takes to try to get our voices of sustainable agriculture heard. And um, he actually ran for Congress, didn't, didn't win, but he talked about mm-hmm. his... But he changed the conversation. But he changed the conversation and found since the election uh, was over, lots of people coming up to him and saying, I really agree with you, glad you ran. And so, you know, maybe some of these young people hear that message and they'll take us, you know, get out there too. And it's probably as good a time as any to announce that Amanda Borden has decided to run for Congress. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not, don't even say that. We don't want to even get that. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, but I do feel more impassioned about speaking out. And we got to do that because it's, it's for our survival really. (laughs) One last thing we thought was terrific was networking with so many other farmers who are doing things similar to what we're doing. And that was, that was neat. Exactly. That they're just, uh, you know, it was one example I'll give is going to that Alabama breakout session and meeting someone, actually two people from Notasalga. I drive really close to us, close to us. But the point is I drive through there almost every Saturday going to dulcimer practice. And uh, so to find people close by who are, and actually one of them had been over like a few blocks from us getting sweet potato slips from another farmer that we don't even know over here. So and, that's kind uh, of interesting. you talked one into joining the dulcimer group. So we're hoping yeah. that uh, we'll be adding to our dulcimer that's numbers right. with that. That's right. And I had a just a delightful conversation on Saturday night with John L. Green, a sugarcane farmer in Georgia. And John L., bless his heart, was gracious and allowed me to pick his brain about the production of sugarcane and the planting and the cultivating and the weeding and the harvesting and the converting of it, the cooking of it down to syrup. Uh, he was just a very helpful resource, and I hope that we'll be spending more time with John L. in the yeah. months to come. Great, He was a gracious man. He really was. Um, well, let's talk about some of the things that we didn't enjoy about the conference. And I have to say, very little did I not enjoy. I, I, most of it was just great. And then end up on a positive note of what are, the, yeah. what are some of the best things we learned. All right. I would say uh, one of the negatives, and this was particularly true for you, you ended up having to sit through uh, – budget and financial and marketing um, conversations in workshops that you really didn't realize would be focused on that. Well, I mean, I, I did realize that that person, the speaker who talked about that actually went to two sessions where they sort of tacked on, it seemed to me, tacked on a speaker to talk about budget into a presentation that actually the, the information in that presentation that was about growing stuff was so helpful so um relevant to us and and that there was so much there i guess that's the point that that it could have it could have filled an entire session and in one one of my critique cards actually said that you know really this person had the the tomato guy who talked about tomato production he had so much to offer and i sensed that he had to cut it short 
to make room for a person to talk about budgets. So, you know, that that was the only negative. And, and okay. for some people, that probably was relevant. It just wasn't for On me. On my side, I went to uh, one workshop, not, not more than one, but one, where we heard a presentation about aquaculture. And that would have been helpful to me to hear how I could sort of tiptoe in or dabble in aquaculture. But this guy had spent, you know, $300,000 plus in installing all his equipment and so forth. And his experience wasn't all that relevant to me. And I suspect not all that relevant to most of the people in that workshop because it was just so big, so huge, such a huge financial risk that he had to make to get into it that way. And his problems are not the same problems that I would face if we were to try to begin getting into aquaculture. So uh, that was a little bit of a disconnect, I thought. But um, again, a very minor concern. And, and you know, you don't blame the presenters. You, d- you think, okay, maybe Southern Sog knows something about the audiences that we don't know. But for us, as a very small-scale operation, um, I agree. I had trouble relating to some of the really large-scale um, production techniques that were being discussed. Although, I have to say, there were some principles like weed suppression or pest control that, you know, even I can certainly generalize that knowledge to, to what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and then I thought one of the things that was disappointing to us, given the exciting conversation we had from Anthony Flacavento, how few people made it to hear him. Right. It was, it was a very small crowd, it was, probably what, 150, 200 people Yeah, I think it was partly the time of day. It was really early on a Saturday morning, and um, people probably had a chance to go get breakfast. You know, that's another problem of food access during the, for for meals. But, um, and also it was stuck in a room that was like at the other end of the earth, practically. (laughs) It was a long way away from where everything else was happening. So, uh, Fair warning, uh, Mr. Flacavento, if you're listening, we're going to be getting in touch with you, and we're going to be asking you to uh, be a guest of ours on this podcast because I think what you have to share is important, and we want to spread that message. Right. Well, let's talk about some of the really wonderful messages that we did get uh, in addition to that one from um, Anthony Flacavento. Of course, our interests are idiosyncratic, to our, you know, that is what we think is best is is something we can relate to our small scale operation. So put that proviso in there first of all. Um, you you went to one about compost or, yeah, or and a session. The, the the piece I came away with is actually understanding for the first time how people are using compost tea. I'm not sure I'm ready to make the commitment for us to use it, but at least I know now how we would do it if we wanted to get into using compost tea. And it's a revelation. There's a lot of information out there, um, and and maybe we'll start doing that at some point. Yeah, and we've already mentioned that we uh, learned a lot about climate change, what to expect from climate change. The term climate risk is uh, seems to be part of the vernacular now, and hadn't heard that, so that, that was really helpful to us. Um, I went to a session I mentioned a second ago um, on tomatoes. It was sort of advanced information about uh, organic tomato production and I felt I'm ready for advanced I've been doing this for a while and it was really helpful I learned uh, the key was the importance of ventilation of dry letting your tomato plants when you're not when they're not being watered or irrigated they need to be 
their foliage needs to have a chance to dry out. And of course, I knew anecdotally that last spring, because of the wet spring and the summer, the, to my tomatoes, which did not dry out, were developed disease and they were poor producers and pretty much died back. Um, but I've I've turned over a new leaf in terms of what I my plans for uh, tomato planting techniques this year, and we'll share more about that as we come. But I, I owe it to I think Alex Hitt was the man's name who spoke about this. Oh, and the other thing, uh, a message that came through loud and clear in several sessions I attended was you need to stay ahead of the weeds and you need need to stay ahead of the pests. Uh, try to you know figure out what's going on out there in your garden, scout on a frequent basis, and try to, if you can't prevent the pests, um, at least catch them in an early stage of development uh, of their life cycle. And because once their, po their populations um, are large, you might as well give it up. Although I don't give it up, but it's just, it's harder. So learned a lot. It was a great conference and looking forward to next year. If you are within easy travel distance of Mobile and you are trying to grow sustainably and did not make it to Southern Sog, we certainly commend it to you for next year. It will be back in Mobile on, in January of 2015, and Lee and Amanda will be there. The good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. So, right. um, we're excited about what's going on there and want to share it with you. Have a great week. We'll look forward to visiting with you soon. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.